Welcome to episode 291 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we preview the Pacific Championships. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 291 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are one week out of the NRL Grand Final, and there is no rest for the wicked. We are straight into international season. So... Already into it. We just we Mad Monday has come and gone. Uh, are you still recovering from Mad Monday? Yeah. Well, 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 Doctor. Look, I must say, um, yeah. Look, I, I have felt a little lost this week. Um, you know, it just feels like there's a part of my life that is missing. Um, you know, I turned on the TV on Thursday and um, I didn't know what channel to turn to. Um, same thing on Friday, and then um, you know, uh, over at Fox, I didn't have anything on on. You know, there's no more Super Saturdays anymore. I feel like there's a void in my life and I just, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think you recovered from the hangover. But, um, you know, how many more days left until the uh, NRL season starts again? Oh, you know, 142, but who's counting, you know? Do you have (laughs) a prescription for me, Doctor? Do you have have something in the meantime that I could focus on that's going to bring that void in my life, you know? Um, uh, I, 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 I don't, but I know someone, uh, Shane Flanagan, who's got access to some of these things that you might, you might be able to use or maybe not. Maybe it's, oh, sorry, different thing. Sorry, sorry. I got him on speed dial for something else, but look, uh, I, no, the, the, you're just going to have to, you're just going to have to, you know, look, there's international football coming up, oh, international wow. rugby league. So I think that's. You know that that is a kind of a uh, remedy. Hopefully, hopefully it's a remedy. Hopefully it's a substitute for the NRL. In fact, like to be honest, it's uh, it's uh, it's going to ramp up your uh, your symptoms. I think because it's going to be a lot, a lot worse. Uh, look, I'm expecting a really look. I know that we've we, we've just endured a very long season, and mm. you know it was exhausting towards the end. A very exhausting grand final. You know the comeback of all comebacks in grand final history. Uh, the three peat. Uh, you know everything else that comes with the long season and state of origin as well during the year. And but we have an international, a fully fledged international uh, season coming up. For the next what is it month and a half um, on both sides of the uh, of the equator, we've yeah. got the Pacific Championships here um, involving most of the South Pacific Island nations, um, men's and women's, and then we've got the uh, England v Tonga three game series over there in the Northern Hemisphere. So it's going to be exciting. That's going to happen towards. Well, at some point, you know, in a couple of weeks, I think they're going to start the first test and that's going to be really awesome. And I think that's a great way to end the season. I think people have been dying for more international football. Obviously, we had a lot of that last year with the World Cup. So 
um, was it last year or was it the year before? <laughs> I don't know. It feels yeah, like it was last year. It was the 2022 World Cup in 20, played in 2023. No, you mean the 2021 World Cup played in 2022. Oh, yep, that's right. So there you go. There you go. Not so to be confused be with... To be a rugby league fan here. Folks, not so. to be confused with the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which was played in 2021. Let's not that's confuse right. that. That's right. That's right. In yeah. other World Cup news, France have... Uh, They've uh, they've done a backflip, um, <laughs> like and not doing the next World Cup now. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. another that's for that's another story. I think for another yeah. day. But I I hear the Victorian government and Daniel Andrews are interested. Well, not so much Daniel Andrews. Oh, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's not going to be around to worry about that. But there you go. Um, <laughs> All right, look, we've got previews of all the games coming up. Obviously, we uh, th- there's quite a few games uh, for the men's and the women's, and we're going to basically let's just launch into it. Tackle number one, we're going to preview the Kangaroos versus Toa Samoa. Now, before we begin, I should add that there is a structure to this, to these Pacific Championships. There's actually uh, two concurrent competitions in the men's and the same for the women. So for the men's, there is what's called a Pacific Cup. So I guess this is the top tier of nations playing against each other. So this is Kangaroos, Kiwis and Toa Samoa are in the Pacific Cup competition. And underneath that is the Pacific Bowl, and this is the Cook Islands, Fiji Bati, and the PNG Kamuls. Um, that's for the men, and uh, and I'll talk about the women later when we get to that. So let's now, launch now into just, just on that with yep. those naming conventions. I mean, do you think that a cup is more prestigious than a bowl? Um, like, wouldn't you? Wouldn't the second tier be called a saucepan? You are, you are correct. I mean, look, they could have gone with trophy. They could have gone with plate. They could have gone with shield. Yep. They could have gone with what else could they have gone with? There's, there's probably other, I think those are the main ones, cup, bowl, plate, Mm. trophy and shield. And really, you know, trophy and shield are the only ones that you don't um, drink or eat from. Mm. What about the, the Pacific spoon? Well, we already have a spoon, don't we? Uh, the wooden spoon. So I think that c- what we don't have is the knife and the fork. And I think, and I wonder whether that, that should be, maybe the, uh, who knows, maybe that should be the names of the player of the tournament. Mm. Good call, good call. But anyway, let's, let's, let's of- move on away from food. Yeah. <laughs> Get on to the game itself. Kangaroos versus Toa Samoa. I think this is, um, look, you know, the Kangaroos would be favoured for this one, but. Let's have a look at uh, the lineups because actually there's been quite a few uh, teams, uh, sorry, quite a few players that have actually pulled out um, that you would have expected to be in the lineup. So let me just read the lineup for the Kangaroos especially and then talk about which, who are the players that I think we think have missed out. So we've got in fullback, we've got James Tedesco. On the wings, we've got Dylan Edwards and Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, in the centres, we've got Hamiza, Tabwai Fido and Katoni Staggs. 5 8 we've got Cameron Munster, Daly Cherry Evans at number seven at halfback. Oh, I forgot to mention Tedesco is the captain. Um, then we've got in the forwards Isaiah Yo, Liam Martin, Cameron Murray, 
Tino, Ben Hunt, and Payne Haas are the front row. And on the interchange bench, we've got Harry Grant, Lindsay Collins, Patrick Carrigan, and Ruben Cotter. And uh, if we want to extend it to the reserves bench uh, for the rest of the tournament, we've got Nico Hines, Jake Trebojevic, Thomas Flegler, and Valentine Holmes. For Toa Samoa, we've got Sualawavi for Falongo, Murray Talangi, Isaac Tongo, Young Tanamapia, Brian Toa, Stephen Crichton is actually 5'8". There you go. Yeah. Dejan Arsi from the Eels, number seven. Go, you Eels. Um, Keenan Palacio, Connolly Lemuelu, Luciano Lua, Junior Paulo, Gordon Chan Kamtong, and Stefano Atacamano are the forwards, uh, are the front row actually, on the interchange bench. Spencer Lenu, Terrell May, Harlem Lukey, Ronald Volkman, and in the reserves, uh, 18 to 21, are Royce Hunt, Justin Matamua, Greg Marsu, and Thomas Talau. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Junior Paulo is actually the captain, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double check uh, nrl.com what it says. But anyway, look, when we look at the kangaroos, let's just uh, – actually, let me have a look. Do we have a – they haven't named a captain. Is that right? They have not named a captain, uh, Toa Samoa, which is interesting. Yeah. But I would have thought – I think they have a 17-man uh, leadership group. <laughs> That's right. It's, got it's a little junior. Bit of, yeah. <laughs> junior Polo and senior Polo. Yeah. Um, look, That's right. I think – You can't make Junior the captain, right? That's the uh, – it, it, does, it doesn't sound right, but, you know, I think it most likely will be. It's either him or Stephen Crichton, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and obviously, look, the, when you look at that lineup, you, those lineups, you think, let's not forget, this is, uh, you know, the team that played in the World Cup final last mm-hmm. year, um, minus some key players, especially from the Samoan side. We have no... Um, uh Jerome Luai, obviously at 5'8". So Crichton has jumped in there. And I think that's a brilliant move because, uh, you know, I think this is, um, yeah, yeah, I I think that's a pretty good move. Now, um, what else has happened is I think Samoa actually don't have the same coach anymore. Who is the current coach? I can't really tell from looking at, uh, they remember they had, um, I forget his name now, Um, they uh, they no longer have uh, they no longer have. Um, there was a conspiracy to get rid of him last year with in our Channel Nine commentators, right? Because <laughs> they wanted Sonny Bill to coach the team or something like that. It isn't isn't there always? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I found it. Uh, ben Gardner is the current coach. Yeah, that's the um, coach. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I, for the life of me, I can't remember the previous coach. Maybe that's a good thing. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so Ben Gardner is is the name there, Matt but it's Parrish, not I think it was. Matt Parrish. That's it. Yep. Thank you very much. Uh, obviously, Mad Monday has uh, creeped into another week for me. <laughs> Apologies <laughs> for that. Eels have gone hard this week. Let me tell you. Uh, but look, it's an interesting lineup for for both teams. When I look at. Yep. You know, the Australian side is probably the one that's got the most number of talking points because, you know, yes, Jerome Luai isn't there and, um, uh, yeah, you know, you don't – and you have Stephen Crichton there in, in the new – and Dejan Asi is actually very uh, new to this and, and you know, very green in this sort of thing and it's a bit of an unknown quantity 
he has performed well for the Eels in the past, um, mainly mainly in replacement of, uh, well, I mean, you know, when Dylan Brown was off for a little while, uh, it was basically Assi and, and Moses that were running the show. So he's got a bit of experience there, but I wouldn't say that this is, uh, you know, up against the world champion Kangaroos. Um, it's always going to be a tough ask. But when you look at the Kangaroos, they've got, you know, they've got a bit of problems there or some interesting decisions that they made. They had too many fullbacks <laughs> and uh, they decided to bring one more in, Dylan Edwards, who is now a winger. So yeah. is that going to be an issue? I don't know because he's a pretty solid defender. So I don't think it's going to be that much of an issue. I don't know what kind of combination he, he's going to have with his inside centres. Um, I think Katoni Staggs might be... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, is Cobbo usually on the right side? So that means Dylan Edwards will be on the left side. So it will be Hamazo that is uh, his offsider there on that side of the field. I believe yeah. I could be wrong. Um, interesting. Um, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, well, okay. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, you've you've raised some good points. Uh, I just want to um, so uh, you know because they don't really go on the NRL website the uh, the changes from last year's World Cup winning side, right? Um, mm. But like, if you look at the back line, the back line in the World Cup final was Tedesco, then Valentine Holmes, Latrell Mitchell, Jack Whiten, Josh Adokar, right? Completely yeah. different. Completely <laughs> right? different, yeah. Completely yeah. different. Then Cameron Mun- Munster, five eighth, uh, is it now? Nathan Cleary, he's pulled out of the pulled out of the Pacific Cup. Um, you know, so so in goes DCE. Um, and then, and then also in the forwards, you know, there's no Regan Campbell Gillard this this time around, um, or is there? No, there isn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so yeah, Jake Travoyevich, Ben Hunt, Regan Campbell Gillard, Angus Crichton, Liam Martin, and Isaiah Yo. Um, and I think in the in this year's one, it's Isaiah Yo, Liam Martin, Cameron Murray, um, who was on the bench last year. Tino, he's kind of the new one, and Payne Haas. Um, you know, who wasn't in last year's one, right? Which is um so so yeah, so a lot of changes. And um the other thing about this year's lineup, which is kind of interesting, is that um the bench is all Queensland, <laughs> right? So um which is interesting. Like you know, Harry Grant, Lindsay Collins, Patrick Carrot and Room all Queenslanders, which is kind of uh I don't know if that's ever happened where you've just done that. I mean I think overall it's a good mix. Um and it's always gonna be a strong team. Um but I just wonder, like, because, uh, look, you heard of players pulling out. You heard some of the – and I know we won't go into the players that have pulled out that much, but, like, you know, you heard that there were some, you know, issues with, like, some players not being, um, you know, available because of suspension and things like that and just sitting off-field things. But one person I didn't hear anything about who is not in the team, who I thought was amazing in the grand final, is um, – well, amazing throughout the whole final series is Reese Walsh. Like how did he not get? How did he not get a run? You know, um, and then look, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure Ezra Man is also eligible. I kind of feel like at least they should have got into the extended extended squad or like you know the interchange or something. Um, but I didn't see their names there, so I found that a bit surprising with uh, with Australia. Um, but look, still a very strong team. I think um, the fact that they got. Most of their squad playing in the positions they normally play, I think, is going to be very. Um, I think. I think that's going to give them the edge over Samoa. I think the challenge with Samoa is that um, you've got Stephen Cron, who normally plays in the centre, is now playing five eighth. Um, he can also play fullback. Um, 
Um, but just being out of position is is going to be very difficult against the uh, Australians. Um, what I probably thought they would have done is put Ronald Volkman, who's on the bench, but to have him start in the halves, because he is a half. He was supposed to be Sean Johnson's uh, replacement, but then Sean Johnson, <laughs> Johnson didn't retire and had an amazing season, right? Um, so, But at least you've got somebody who's familiar with that position in there. Um, now, I'm not saying that Stephen Grant might not do a bad job. He might be an amazing 5 right? Um, we've seen a lot of centres. I mean, Brad Fittler is, like, famous, right, as being the centre that turned into a 5 I think there's, like, he's the first one that comes to mind, but there's a lot more that have had the same sort of thing. So, And he did have a spectacular kick that caused a uh, line dropout in the grand final too, um, Stephen Crichton. So um, there's every chance he could be a sensation at 5 eighth. But uh, mm. your first assignment is against the world champions, <laughs> right? <laughs> not um, easy, yeah. Not easy, not easy. So, But look, I mean, 1 to 17, the entire squad plays first-grade football, um, and I think all in the NRL, I, I can't see any player that, that that's playing in the Super League there. Um, so in, in probably the toughest, um, you know, competition on a week-to-week basis, all of them are there. They're all playing for top squads. They're all top big-name players. I mean, most of them, um, you know, they're probably not household names, but they're all, you know, like a guy like Luciano Lelua, for example, when he goes off contract, Every club wants to sign him because I know how devastating he is, right? Um, same can be said for Junior Paulo and, you know, and um, and they're not like necessarily like the big name players in the teams, but yet they're, they're sort out after players in the NRL because people know how good they are, right? Um, so I think it's going to, it's not going to be a walk in the park by any means for, uh, you know, the Australians. They, they, they are probably more favoured because of just the origin experience and perhaps the, um, you know, the experience from, like, playing big game football. But I think the Samoans, um, you know, if they have a a, a relatively good uh, game plan, if they could hold the ball, I think they've got enough talent in an attack um, to be able to exploit maybe the, uh, you know, the lack of combinations there are in the back line who have all never played together, <laughs> right? Um <laughs> You know, so I think there is an opportunity for the Samoans to keep it tight, but I but I probably think that there's probably too much um, game management experience for the Aussies to to not win this by you know sort of maybe to, a two trial length. What about yourself, Doctor T? Yeah, um, look, I think yeah, there's there's changes on both sides, but I think the changes on Samoa actually probably are more more detrimental. I think than than what. Uh, what changes the the kangaroos are going to experience, and they can handle a little bit better. I think there's more stability basically in the kangaroos, and I think for that reason, I, I I'm not look. It was a 30 to 10 grand, uh, you know, World Cup final margin, um, and they were thoroughly outplayed Samoa. Although they were they were very much in the fight, and they tried very hard, but they were just you know class one in the end. And I think the same thing's going to happen this time around. I the question mark I have is around Stephen Crichton. Now, in the final last year, they had, you know, Crichton was there, but playing centres as his normal position is, and Luai was, you know, doing Luai things in five eight. But they had Milford at halfback, and he was quite ineffective, I think, throughout the tournament, um, as well as uh, in, in the final itself. 
They don't have Milford this time around. They've moved on. So I think this is like a new a dawn of era. a new era for Samoa. Absolutely. Mm. And I the think post Milford era. The post Milford era. It's uh Crichton's there, RC's there. Um, you know, some some of the forwards are completely new. Um, you know, you if I look at the team that was uh there last year as well. We've got the, the following names are not there. Joseph Swali, obviously gone to Rugby Union. Tim LeFay, Anthony Milford, um, Oregon Kafusi, Josh Papali'i, Martin Tapao. You know, those are players that uh, have NRL, I think you would say, experience. Mm. Um, and that is a really key loss there. One thing to consider is... Uh, is we've got um, the final was uh, refereed by uh, Ashley Klein okay. and the referee this time around. Well, Ashley Klein's going to be there, but he's the senior review official, so he's in the bunker. Yeah. But the referee is actually Grant Atkins, who, as we saw, you know, in the grand final as well, when you when you go, you move away from the Sutton, uh, Jared Sutton and Ashley Klein's of the world, mm. you get a more fast-flowing kind of game. Yeah. And I get the feeling that that is going to suit Samoa, um, whereas uh, a game that is, you know, people have picked up for pedantic things, lots of six against, lots of penalties, I think that's going to suit the Kangaroos a little bit more in this situation. So I, I think it'll be a little bit my question, my my tip is that the Australia will win, but, but not by as much as we would think. I think this is a chance for Samoa to really ambush mm. them. So... Looking forward to it. But um, shall we move on to tackle two? PNG versus Cook Islands. All right. So week one of the Pacific Bowl game, which will be Cook Islands versus PNG Kumuls. And this is what the uh, lineups look like. So for the Kumuls, we've got Alex Johnston, Robert Derby, Zach Labert, Broderick Tay, Neen McDonald, Kyle Labert, Lachlan, uh, sorry, Lachlan, Lachlan Lamb. Uh, in the fours, we've got Jack DeBellin making his debut, I think, for PNG. Dan Russell, Jacob Alec, Valentine Richard, Judah Rimbu, and Epel Capenizius, or Capenius. And then uh, on the interchange bench, we've got Liam Horn, Nixon Putt, Junior Rob, and Benji Cott. Um, and in for the Cook Islands, we've got Isom Ioka, Malaki Morgan, Kyle Iro, Isan Masters, Stephen Masters, Brad Takarangi, Tevin Arona. In the forwards, we've got Pride, Pedersen, Rabati, Ruben Porter, Zane Tedavano, Makahizi, Makatoa, Rua and Nagati Cora, Davy Moale, and on the interchange bench, William Samuel, Reese Dakin, Justin Macareri, and Kadie Ioka. I hope I have not butchered those mm. those uh, pronunciations. I think it's fair to say that PNG have, uh, you know, some more NRL experience and more yeah. well known players. Um, interesting for the Cook Islands, we've got Brad Takarangi, who obviously used to be. F- a player for the Eels uh, in the centres primarily is playing the number six. So he's actually going to be their key playmaker. I'm not sure whether whether he's got that much experience doing that, but he's a very creative 
player, although I saw him more as a running kind of centre. But he does have ball-playing skills, so that will be very interesting to see what he brings to the table there. And for the Kamals, um, Jack DeBellin, I believe, is it's his debut potentially as Kamals lock. Um, interesting, I didn't know he had PNG heritage or that he was born there or whatever, but there you go. Uh, Alex Johnson at fullback, interesting. He usually plays um, winger. He's been put into the fullback position. Mm. I guess they, they kind of think uh, he's he's also got pretty good uh, defensive skills as well. Um, but I think I think it's without doubt that, uh, you know, the Kamals have uh, much more experience on the NRL level. Lachlan Lamb, Alex Johnson, Jack DeBellin, you've got some key players that are leaders for the backs and the forwards. And I think uh, on that basis, I think the Kamals have it all over the Cook Islands. But again, this is something where you know, you can't discount the Cook Islands. I think uh, if I look back at um, the way they played in, I think, were they in the World Cup? I think they were in the World Cup. I'm just having a look at uh, what, how they actually played. Um, well, they were in, so here it is, they were in Group D in the last World Cup alongside Tonga and Papua New Guinea. Um, they did win one game, but I think that was against Wales. Um, and so uh, who came last in that group? So, yeah, they uh, look recent recent games against the, uh, the PNG shows that PNG would be favoured to win that one, I would think. So I think based on, on what we've seen recently that um, we would expect PNG to win this one. What about you, Tish? Yeah, we'll look um, just to, yeah, so, so Papua New Guinea are uh, world ranking is sixth, whereas the Cook Islanders are actually in 13th. Um, so even though they beat Wales, they're still behind Wales, Ireland, Serbia, France, Lebanon, Fiji, and then, then it comes PNG. So, you know, a bit, a, a bit back. So then, and I think that's probably where you could sort of see when you look at the teams on paper, you could say, well, you know, they're probably, um, you know, they don't have as many NRL players as PNG uh, do, um, but I think I think one thing that you re- one thing that I feel about PNG at the moment is that they are definitely developing and they're definitely progressing. Um, but what's you know their base of players that are playing uh, for the PNG Hunters, so state level as well as NRL, and then over in Super League and sort of you know Division One, I, I think it is. Um, they probably have a lot more because their base is building because they've got like a, a system coming through, right? Um, and that's what's um, causing them to sort of, um, you know, sort of move up the ranks. But I don't think they've got, um, you know, uh, with some of the other island nations, they seem to have a few more, um, you know, they have they have a bigger peak, if that makes sense. Um, like as in, their, you know, their top 10, 13 players are kind of like, well, every NRL club wants them type thing. Um, you know, they're like sort of big name players. I don't think PNG are quite at that level. Um, and then so with the Cook Islands, they don't have as many players to pick from. But then out of the ones that they're picking, they do get quite a number of NRL, you know, experienced players in there. Um, like, you know, Zane Tedavano, for example, like, you know, um, I'm pretty sure he played most of the season for the Dragons, right? And then, um, you know, Isan Masters, um, you know, Brad Takarangi, as you mentioned. So um, even though they don't have as many players to pick from, they still can put a formidable team. And I think that's why they uh, upset teams a lot. 
Um, I do remember even last year when they played against Fiji, I think Fiji struggled to put them away for pretty much 70 minutes of the whole game, right? So there is enough in there um, for for the Cook Islanders to, uh, yeah, potentially have an upset if if uh, if the Kumuls are not focused. Um, but I think in the end, yeah, just because of the NRL experience, I mean, I don't know how they have Justin Olam on the bench, <laughs> right? I thought he'd be the third player picked. Um, but, yeah, uh, maybe they're taking them lightly. I'm not 100% sure why. But it it, would, it doesn't make sense to me for, for, for that. But, you know, Lachlan Lamb, for example, is an ex- you know, a halfback with some NRL cred. I think he's over in the Super League now. Alex Johnson, you know, he's uh, – Coming up to about you know a million tries or something for the for the Rabbitohs, right? So, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so I think when you got players like that in the squad, um, you know, uh, as long as they stay focused, they don't sort of um, you know take the Cook Islanders lightly. Um, they should get a, a fairly comfortable win in the in the in the you know the Pacific Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah, I tend to agree, and I think uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing what, uh, what whether the Cook Islands can spring an upset in that first game. On to tackle three, we're going to talk about the women's games, the Jillaroos and the Ferns. All right, so in the women's game, we also have a Pacific Bowl and Pacific Cup, but they are slightly different teams. So uh, for the uh, Pacific Cup, we have the Jillaroos from Australia, the Ferns from New Zealand, and Mate Ma'a Tonga is the third team there for the Pacific Cup. For the Bowl, we actually have four teams, so it's a slightly different setup. We've got the Cook Islands, Fetu Samoa, Fiji Women, and the Orchids from, where are they from? I can't tell where they're from. Uh, from PNG, the Orchids. There you go. Um, that was a bit awkward. The, it was a bit awkward. There you go. Um, the Jillaroos and the Ferns, I think it's fair to say, would be probably the favourites to, to to make the final of the uh, of the Cup. Is that, is that what it's called? I keep forgetting the Cup. That's right. Cup is bigger than Bowl. Um, and... Uh, I need to remind myself. But when you look at the lineup, you can see why the Jillaroos are probably favourites to win the tournament. Let me go through the lineup. So this is this is no tier system. They're all in the one comp, right? No, no, no. There's still tier system. So there's cup oh, okay. and bowl as well. Except yeah. the cup, the cup is just uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Tonga, and then okay. the other four were in the bowl. So okay, so there's no more women's teams playing than men's teams. Yeah, by one. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's because the men's Tongan team are playing England. That's why. That's the difference uh, mm, at okay. the same time. So, um, all right. The the Actually, let's start with the Ferns first. So the Ferns are uh, Appy Nichols, Anessa Biddle, Janice Parker, Melly Hufanga, Leanne Tafuga, Ashley Quinlan, and Racine McGregor, at, um, captain and halfback. Uh, I think she was the previous M winner last year. In the forwards, Georgia Hale, Lation uh, Albert Jones, Otesa Pule, Angelina Takaranga Katoa, Brooke Anderson, and Myra Hill Moana. And in the interchange bench, we've got Tyler Nathan Wong, Najvada George, Jasmine Fogavini, and Amelia Pazikala. 
And on the Jillaroo side, um, how about this for a lineup? Fullback, Tamika Upton, wings, Jamie Chapman and Julia Robinson, centers, Jessica Sergis and Isabel Kelly, 5'8", Taryn Aiken, and halfback and captain, Ali Brigginshaw. In the forwards, Samaima Taufa in lock. The second rowers, Olivia Koenig and Kezi Apps. Forwards, uh, so the front row, Jessica Ellison, J- Shannon Marta, and in the hooker position, Keely Davis. On the interchange bench, Emma Tonegato, Caitlin Johnson, Kennedy Cherrington, and Shaylee Bent. And uh, look, I mean, these are names that we have come to know in the last few years since the women's comp has really flourished in the NRL and all of those players pretty much forwards and back. It's a star-studded lineup for the Jillaroos. They've all Mm. had uh, a lot of, uh, you know, quite a few of those players have been player of the year for their teams or uh, have been up up there in the the medal count uh, towards the end of the year. We're we're aware of all of these players. We've seen them. We've seen them perform. Uh, Tamika Upton at number one is... Uh, at fullback is probably the star at the moment of all competitions there. She uh, is the reigning Dalian medalist, uh, Newcastle fullback. We talked about that last week. Um, in form, you know, just come off an NRL uh, W grand final victory as well, where she starred in <laughs> providing the comeback against the Titans um, to win that game. So, you know, she is the equivalent, I guess, of when in the men's game having Nathan Cleary there on a high, you know, winning everything everything before them. Um, you know, I find it very difficult to to go past the Jillaroos to win not just this game, win it comfortably, but also uh, the entire tournament. So what about you, Tish? Yeah, well, look, um, the previous encounter, uh, the Australians won by a hair, 54 points to four. <laughs> Um, and, and, and somehow the Australians, they actually seem stronger now than before. Right. Um, cause they didn't, even, they didn't even have to make Crofton in fullback. They had, uh, Samantha Bremer last time. Right. So, um, I feel like sort of moving from strength to strength. Um, having said that though, look, I think, yeah, I think with the Kiwi, uh, girl, oh, sorry, the Ferns, I should say, cause the Kiwi are the men's team. Right. So, yeah, but I think, um, I think with them, I mean, they all play in the NRL uh, W. I mean, a lot of names are very familiar there. And um, and I think they are at a high level. I just think that with the Australians, obviously they have that sort of, uh, you know, they've, they've sort of, it's a squad that's pretty f- well settled. We kind of all know them well, and I think that's where they're probably going to uh, sort of excel a little bit. Um, interesting enough, like, you know, uh, you know, Kezi Apps was captain last year in the final, but I think you said that Ali Bringshaw was a captain and Ali Bringshaw was in the side last year. So, um, and well, I think that's a, yeah, that's what it says on NRL.com. <laughs> I don't know if it's, uh, if yeah. it's true or not, but that's, that's what I, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Interesting. Um, is, is there a, a mutiny, yeah. some infighting and, and could that play a part? In this game on the weekend, you know. Well, really, yeah. The only the only thing that can bring down a, uh, a an invincible side is uh, uh, destruction from within. That's what you're yeah. saying. I a mean, that's how all empires fall. <laughs> so. Sorry, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, somebody in the inside, right? Someone on the inside. Look, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. 
I think this is a game of rugby league. I think we're overcomplicating it. It's not geopolitics, yep. but yep. it's. Um, but I'm I'm expecting to make Upton to and some of the other girls to. Um, I'm actually thinking. Look, you know, I'm going to go further than just predicting a victory of the Jillaroos. I actually think one of the star players will be Samema Taufa from Lock, former Parramatta Eels player. Now I think she plays for the Raiders. But um, yeah, I think I think she will actually show. She's got a real kind of. Uh, you know, when people talk about origin level type player, you know, that's the kind of player that's tough and just grinds out the win in uh, in big circumstances. I think she's that kind of a player. So I'm expecting her to actually um, come to the fore. Uh, so there's my prediction uh, in terms of the player of the match for this first game. But Tish, if you have no further comments, I think it's time to jump into tackle number four, the next women's game, which is Fetus Samoa versus Fiji. So, Fiji Samoa is uh, has the following lineup: Destiny Mino Sinapati, Taylor Mapusua, Patisa Leo uh, at captain in the centres, Niall Williams Guthrie, Lindsay Tui uh, at winger, Pauline Pile Razabali, Sienna Lofipo in the forwards. We've got Aneta Claudia Nuasalua, Angelina. Uh, Hunt, Malela Sua, Janelle Williams, Destiny Brill, Fiona Janke, and on the interchange bench, Pihuka, Berryman, Duff, Tafau, Asua, Tamara, Liati, and Michaela Eli. And for the Fijians, we've got Cassie Staples, Anna Raduva, Adi Patricia, Reka Dronka, Vitalina Nakori, Asina Rokamarama, Sienna Lang, Suriana Nate. Nato Katolka, and on in the forwards we've got Aliti Namoche, uh, Tale Holmes, Emma Rainima, Anastasia Shum Cottrell, Tegan Lang, Josephine Majors. In the interchange bench we've got Seniva Saanga, Grace Wanga, Mary Kilawakana, and Marawalesi Rakuono. And look. Not many names, I have to admit, I would be very familiar with, but I am familiar with a Destiny Brill at number nine for Samoa, um, a very familiar name. Um, this is going to be an interesting one because, um, look, I think the Fijian women, I'm not sure how they went last year in the World Cup, but I think... That, uh, they, didn't, they didn't go. They didn't go. Did did Samoa go? Oh, okay, a good question. Uh, was Give me the goss. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's look it up. No, but look, I, I think a few of these names are familiar, but they're not as familiar as obviously the the Jillers and the Ferns for me. Um, but based on what I, I, it looks like, Samoa's got a stronger squad based on what I've seen in terms of NRLW representation. Um, they don't have any stats. Samoans of, there either. I could see England, Canada, <laughs> Papua New Guinea, Brazil, uh, New Zealand, Cook Islands. Uh, yeah, and then and that, and that makes sense because this is the the bowl, not the cup <laughs> that we're mm. talking about. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. But look, like I said, I think that this is uh, a game where um, 
it's the minnows fighting each other, basically, or fighting against each other. Yeah. Um, and but I do think that, um, uh, yeah, I, I do think that there is a, uh, uh, you know, for me, the, there's a little bit more familiarity with Samoa. They are playing at Port Moresby. That's the other thing. I don't know what what effect that will have on. Samoa and Fiji playing in Port Moresby, mm. um, given that they will be playing PNG next week. Um, you know, interesting. I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Um, uh, actually, no, sorry, next week is actually going to be the Orchids playing the Cook Islands, so they're not, not playing next week. But, um, yeah, I, Tish, what's your view? Samoa, Fiji women, there's not much background here that we can actually do some research on, so it's a bit difficult. Uh, yeah. To work out where you know there's no history behind them that we can see. There's no kind of head-to-head NRLs kind of very devoid of that information at the moment. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, what, what can you? What, what insight could you bring to this? Well, look, uh, Lusuna Latu, who is well on her day could be the best in it, <laughs> rugby league player in NRLW. Right? She is that good, but and she plays for Fiji. Unfortunately, she is injured. And I think she's been injured for sort of a long-term sort of thing. So I think that that was the major gun that they don't have. Um, and then the names of the Samoan team feel a little bit more familiar. Um, so, look, I think, yes, it is a battle of the minnows, but probably a lot of good talent is what I could think of because I think out of the uh, – I think out of all the, you know, in terms of the women's game, you know, what are the nations that can really grow and do well? I think these two teams can do it. A lot because they do have. Um, I think they've got a lot of players in development and a lot that come from Samoan slash Fijian backgrounds. That you know, if they would make themselves eligible, can make these teams a lot stronger. Um, mm. uh, so, so I think they're good. Look, they're both. I mean, in terms of world rankings, um, the, yeah, Fiji's nineteenth and Samoa's twentieth. Um, and then, but they're behind the USA, Malta, Tonga, Turkey, Philippines, Italy, Serbia, Greece. Like, there's a ton of non-rugby league nations in the women's game that have a higher ranking than them. So, um, yeah. So I think, I think, I think definitely, as you said, the minnows are development. Um, but look, this is uh, you know every great journey starts with the first steps, you know, and this is what it is for, for these two. Um, and I think, I mean, look, Tonga is ranked 16th as well. I mean, hopefully in this tournament we get a Samoa versus Tonga women's match. That would be awesome, right? Um, so because of the great rivalry they have in the men's game, I think a similar sort of thing in the female game. I think Fiji and Samoa can have a really good rivalry too. So I think it's what the, you know, it's the rivalries and then once you get the rivalries in, you've got players who are eligible for both these uh, countries suddenly wanting to play to play in the traditional rival game and I think that would work. Um, you are right about the atmosphere in Papua New Guinea. Um, <laughs> for these two teams, I don't know. It's going to be a unique situation. But, again, um, a great experience for, for for them both. I think on the world rankings, I might just have to go with Fiji because they're ranked one better. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it, is, it, is like, um, it is like being so blindfolded, right, in this matchup because of just like, you know, Maybe these are not household names, but um, you know, these are a great game to watch on TV because you're gonna you're going to get the next female star coming out of like you know these two teams. I feel like you know it's a good sort of ground to see who are the next up and coming players that can be 
as good as the Tamika Uptons and the Ali Bringshaws of the world. Yeah, and look, that's that's right. And when I watch these games on TV, I do sort of see myself as a club scout, and I look at it and I think, oh, DGGs, that player would look good in eels colours. You know, I often do that, and I feel like re- picking up the phone, yeah, to uh, to to the eels and just going take a look at this player, get get her in, sign her up. Yeah, um, right. you know, at which point they'll say uh, she's already signed up for the Tigers. Sorry. <laughs> or something like that, and then, uh, but yeah. Anyway, but that's that's how I do that as well, Tisha. I, I certainly watch with interest uh, to see some of the up and coming players, and and that's how really look. That's that's how you know you're a, a true rugby league fan. Is that even yeah. if you don't really know the stars and you're not in, in it for the stars, you you just sit and watch a game. You watch what's in front of you. You recognise that there's two countries going at war and yes. uh, going at it, hammer and tongs, and trying to trying to win and, and some players have experience, other players are new. For them it's a new experience. I've never played in front of a hostile crowd at Port Moresby mm. before. You know, it's 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 such a passionate game and, and it's great to watch if uh, you know a million miles away we're watching this uh these players go at it and and uh and some of these players may end up being superstars that we'll see in the NRLW in the near future. They may be the the, the next Tamika Uptons uh of the world winning the grand final for their team. And uh, you know, you can say, Hey, I remember watching them a couple of years ago in the Pacific Championship, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's that's the way I love approaching the game. That's how you know you're a true fan. That you it doesn't matter what's in front of you, it's a game of rugby league. I'm watching yeah. it. And look, you don't need phone numbers or emails anymore. You've just got Twitter and all you need is hashtags and and so forth. So look, you know, if you see a player playing well, just go, look at this player, hashtag Brad Arthur, let's sign him up. And then you go, oh, wait, he doesn't coach the women's team, right? So... Yeah, um, but still, we could use we could use good players regardless. So, <laughs> Brad, I thought we were Yeah, that's right. And the Tigers. That's right. Speaking of the Tigers, we do have a Tigers item. We have to. Um, unfortunately, Tish, we're going to dig into a bit of a wound here. But tackle number five, we're going to talk about the Tigers. Potentially, we'll have a new home ground. Here we go. Tish, well, the Tigers have, as per usual, cannot stay out of the news, even though they weren't in the finals. <laughs> the season is over. There is some controversy at the moment that, uh, well, I should add that there's a bit of news that there there is attempts to uh, overthrow club chairman Lee Hadjipantelis. Um, you know, the, this, there's that going on. But in the backdrop of that, there's something actually really important going on. The Tigers are making a play to potentially build a new stadium in the heart of Liverpool CBD in Sydney, a 20,000-seat stadium. They have worked in partnership with Liverpool City Council there uh, to approach the New South Wales government with a proposal. Tish, do you know more about this and what do you think about this uh, potential new home stadium in the heart of Liverpool? What do you think? Well, it is very interesting. I think, um, you know, the mayor of Liverpool has come out and said, uh, Ned Manhoon, I think his name, that, like, you know, uh, this is rugby league heartland. You know, Liverpool's been crying out for a team. Um, and and I do get that. And I suppose uh, it, it, Liverpool does fall under the area of, um, you know, the West Tigers sort of, you know, but they're sort of more based out of Cannibal Town. Um, 
so this is a bit more central a little bit. <laughs> and I think also, uh, yeah, so I think from that point of view, it kind of makes sense for the, I suppose, the Campbelltown half, the south-west half. But I think also with the Tigers, um, I think they've got to play a bit of games at Leichhardt Oval. So, um, you know, you know, having, I think the worst situation is having, um, you know, uh, you know, a Campbelltown home ground, a Leichhardt home ground, and then a Liverpool home ground. Um, that would be a bit crazy, right? Um, and in fact, um, news of this, uh, the the Mayor Darcy Byrne from uh, Inner West Council said, ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> so there we go. So I don't know if, if uh, yeah. Um, so the, so that yeah. So look, obviously it's going to be a bit crazy, but look, I think um, you know, uh, funding for for Leichhardt and Campbelltown uh, have been sort of uh, well, uh, you know, overdue. So I think part of it is also like you know which ground can they get that they can get a renovation of, I think is probably what they're trying to to, to try and figure out. Um, what I would say is that you know I think with Liverpool, I think the interesting thing is obviously the new airport being built, um, you know, not too far from there. So it does mean that um, you know I think there's going to be quite a lot of development over the next uh, while. Um, you know, they sort of talk about that southwest corridor a lot. Um, you know, there are property prices going through the roof just to try and um, get some infrastructure around, um, you know. And, and then so that also includes parts of like Leppington and, and you know, um, sort of that sort of new new branch type thing. So I think, I think the Tigers do need to put a bit of a stronghold in this area because potentially they could be looking at a metropolis of well over a million um, just in southwest Sydney, not in the not too distant future, if you took all those numbers together, right? Um, I think it's already over. I think Liverpool's already four hundred thousand, right? So it's 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 well on its way, right? So so this is where uh, this is where they've got to really think, you know, how can we strategically position ourselves, um, and then and then putting a home ground in that Campbelltown or Campbelltown to Liverpool area that will sort of suit everybody being able to commute to it, um, but you know. There's one thing to have a ground. The next thing is to build, is to fill it up. And you're not going to fill it up unless you start winning games and you start engaging the community, right? So I think the the two points that the Tigers, uh, you know, like it's all well and good to, to have new stadiums and ask for funding and all that kind of stuff. But unless your club is actually engaging the community and winning games, then, then that's there. I think on the community engagement, I, I have seen improvements. Um, but I think their best community engagement was actually their one home game away they took to New Zealand, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Which and they did a fantastic job. And I think if they could replicate that week in week out in Southwest Sydney um, and in the inner west, I think they could actually build themselves to be a really great club. But it's just I think that's where uh, things are sort of um, you know falling apart for them and. You know, that's when, you know, they've got this review happening. Um, you know, the chairman's um, been extended, you know, as you said, Lee, surname, <laughs> you know, he's been extended. But then, um, you know, there's talk that there's a mutiny. And I think um, I think one thing about the West Tigers is it feels like um, it feels like the, every journalist knows everything about what's happening at the West Tigers and nobody inside the West Tigers knows what's happening, right? <laughs> like, so they're just, they're, there seems to be a lot of, talk around them i don't know how much of that is um 
and some of it could be just made up stuff. But you know, one thing that is interesting that I've also found at Tigers is that they seem to have like a lot of these uh, journalists are like, oh yeah, I was having lunch with the West Tigers chairman, or I was having lunch with the CEO, or I was having lunch with the development officer, or I was having lunch with the coach, and it's like, well. You know, if everybody's having lunch with journalists, obviously information is going to leave the club, right? Like, mm. it's crazy, right? You don't hear Des Hasler having lunch with, like, you know, um, you know Peter Overton. No, but he did. But when you when you do see him having lunch, it's likely that he's about to sign for a new club. <laughs> so that's. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the trick. Um, look, yeah, look, I hope this isn't Oasis 2.0, uh, mm. that that failed attempt at mm. for the Bulldogs to build to do... Wonderwall. The, yeah. Oh, no, no, the <laughs> other Oasis. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, look, I hope it's not that. And I hope, I'm interested to see that, um, you know, the, uh, the you, you talked about Darcy Byrne talking about um, the... You know, it's a ridiculous idea. And the quote from him is interesting. West Tigers is a much-loved sporting franchise, not a property development company. The club has no business advocating for housing policies in Liverpool. It's time to focus on winning football games yes. and finally making the top eight. Now, when did a – what, what is it? Inner West Council Inner West Council mayor get so shirty about, about a rugby league game? But, look – that's great. Uh, we'll be, that's that's we'll like right of the mark, right? Well, yes and no, because I mean, yes, I agree with that, and and the focus, I you know, the focus needs to be on winning games. But as we know, Tish, it's not just about the football team winning games. You want to actually have back office, front office, all being and the team all being in alignment and all you know, all guns blazing as opposed to the team doing well but but it, the, the rest of the organisation being an absolute shambles, which is what the Tigers has been. Because as you know, when the back office is a shambles, eventually that filters through to the club and then you find you're struggling to make the top eight for several years. And, and that's something, if you look at the clubs that are successful, they're not just successful as a team they're successful as a club and they do things well as an organization look at the panthers at the moment panthers group first of all yes the panthers are winning they won three in a row congratulations and everything but as a back office as well they've got all that sorted out as well they had money to put to an academy they had money to put to you know high world-class training facilities for their players so they don't need to worry about you know whether they've got um, you know, injury recovery, they've got everything sorted. And that doesn't come under the salary cap. That's all things that you get from revenue from your business and operating well as a business. Panthers Group doesn't just have Penrith Panthers, the organisation out there at Penrith. They've also got other kind of franchise clubs that they own as well. I believe one is there's one down the south coast um, and there is also one up at I believe Paul Macquarie, that's a Panthers kind of affiliated Panthers owned, you know, club basically, which services that whole area. So this is an example of where, yes, I agree with the sentiment, but, you know, there is also an element of, well, maybe if you aim to be as good an all-round organisation as the Panthers is, then this kind of opportunity should not be sneezed at. The, the, you look at the comments from Ned Manoon as the Liverpool mayor 
and he's talking about he's been trying to get something happening in the southwest of Sydney for ages. We've talked about this as well. If you were to look at um, the growth area in Sydney, uh, West Tigers has gone all the way out to Campbelltown, and for the last decade and a half, they haven't quite made it happen. Where there is a gap, though, is in the Liverpool area, which is, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour in towards Sydney. There's a huge gap there. Now, Canterbury Bankstone is right next door, but they don't really take Liverpool. They haven't really taken on Liverpool. So that's why I think they wanted to expand a little bit towards to that Oasis thing. But I just wonder whether this is an opportunity that they're going to miss the Tigers uh, by by not pushing for it. I think maybe that's the thing. Maybe they should, rather than go all the way out to Campbelltown, focus on the Liverpool area. Maybe that is really where all – I mean, certainly that's where the money is. There's a lot of – uh, a lot more population growth out in Liverpool than there is out in Campbelltown at the moment. Um, you know, high-rise buildings, businesses building there, all sorts of things happening. So, yeah, that's. I, I'm just. I'll leave you with that thought, Tish. That that maybe uh, as interesting a soundbite as that is from Darcy Byrne. I wonder whether this is. Uh, Again, like not looking at the successes of the Panthers and the Broncos and the Rabbitohs as a holistic organisation that actually does do good business uh, in the back end. Uh, I'll leave you with a final comment, though. Well, look, I mean, um, I'm just looking now. The census data for this is back from 2016, right? But um, Liverpool is sort of ninth when it comes to council's population size at 204,000. And right next door to them is Fairfield City Council with 198,000, right? So, which is like, like you know, when you're talking about the location where they're actually talking about, that's that's only like a five-minute drive from where the Fairfield side starts, right? Um, whereas Inner West Council is 182, right? And then Campbelltown, um, you know, is is 157. So, yeah, so basically Liverpool is bigger than, than those councils and then yeah and then i think it's the proximity towards campbelltown does make it very interesting right because it, you're potentially looking at about three hundred thousand if you add the fairfield and you know the, the sort of the new council that's sort of growing up in leperton yeah so i, th- I think strategic positionally it's a great place to have a team i think um and i think that's probably where the frustration of the liverpool community <laughs> is right that there is um you know that they're that they're, that they're kind of a little further away with no real home team. Do you get what I mean? Um, mm. So yeah. So look, it, it is there. Um, yeah, but I think I think <laughs> uh, yeah. But look to Darcy's point too. They're like you know the Tigers. It's more than just development that they've got to think about. So I think I think yeah, real estate development they've got to think about. So yeah, look. Um, I suppose a developing story or maybe a story that will go nowhere. Um, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll keep an eye on it, though. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. No problem. All right. Last tackle, tackle six. We're going to give our tips for the Pacific Championships. Here we go. All right. We didn't have any tips last weekend, so we're going to carry over the points um you are on oh i think i've got this wrong i think you're on 135 i'm on 133 um and so we're going to continue on and see who wins at the end of this season 
the men's game, Australia versus Samoa. I think I've given my tip as Australia. What about you, Tish? Yeah, I'm going to tip Australia. PNG versus Cook Island. Uh, a close one, I think, but I think PNG will take this one out. Yep, I'm going to tip PNG. In the women's, Australia versus New Zealand. I'm tipping Australia. Yep, I'm going with Australia with this one as well. Uh, we may differ on this one. Samoa versus Fiji. I've actually tipped uh, Samoa. Yep. Look, I'm going to go with the world rankings and tip Fiji. Fair enough. And all right, happy we'll Fiji to... Day to all those Fijians out there, right? That's right. And when is that exactly? Sometime the, this week. Oh, the, yep, the 10th of the 10th. Well, which is today. Well, I think we're recording yep. on the 10th. So well, happy Fiji. I should have mentioned happy Fiji Day to everyone uh, so we dedicate this episode to uh, the Fiji Batty and the Fiji yeah. women who are struggling hard to to win the Pacific Bowls in their various tournaments. Mm-hmm. And who would you say, Tish, would be, uh, should we dedicate this to? Who, who is the most, uh, the most celebrated Fijian rugby league player of all time that we well, want to celebrate go, this? Let's go with... Um most decorated Fijian athlete of all time. And that would have okay. to be uh, VJC. <laughs> well, to the extent that you can call a golf player an athlete, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, certainly you can't do the, the cartwheels that DWZ can do in scoring a try on the corner for the Warriors, but he's yeah, certainly you know the richest, the richest uh, of, the of rich- the athletes. The richest, you know what? Let, let's dedicate this to because, like, I'm trying to think. Like, I know there's probably other Fijian players that played in the NRL before, but I think the guy who made it popular was Noan Andruku, right? Oh, uh, Noan Andruku, yeah, I have to agree with you. Let's yeah. let's let's do that. Let's um commemorate uh the uh the the great green machine winger Noan Andruku who really brought Fiji onto the scene. I think you're right in the NRL. Um, that how many years ago was that? It was like thirty years ago. That was a long time ago. Wow, wow. I think uh, the first. I think he even may have even played around the time where when the uh, the Panthers actually won their first premiership. I think he was in that grand final potentially. I'm not sure. Yeah, Maybe I'm, yeah. I'm I'm way off, but I, I, I just feel to, like, like that's he the was case. a rugby union convert. I think he tried to rock and maul. Um, one time in an NRL game, right? So, but he was amazing. I think. I think the thing is, uh, long range tries and uh, like his highlight reel was was amazing, right? So, there you go. This episode dedicated to Noan Andruku, well, and VJ Singh, of course. <laughs> well, happy Fiji Day. And on that note, enjoy the Pacific Championships. Week one of the championships. We'll get into it next week for week two. Enjoy your rugby league, everyone. Hopefully, you're recovering from Mad Monday. Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. And that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.